Grindr is the most popular gay dating application in the Western Hemisphere. But do you know about its history? Did you, for instance, know that it was briefly owned by a Chinese company and there were such a strong concern about data protections that US government got involved? Or did you know that there are multiple lawsuits against Grindr for sharing your user information with third parties? If you want to know more, listen up. So hey, my name is Milan. I'm an out and proud gay CEO of a global LGBTQ dating company. And today we will be talking about one of our competitors, Grindr. But before we get to all the jazz about how they treat your data, who owns them, how did the United States government got involved in their ownership, I'm going to ask you for a little bit of love. So I'm trying to build this YouTube channel to help LGBTQ leadership and community as a whole. And every single like, share, subscribe, or comment counts. So if you can spare one, I would be super, super thankful. And now to the meat of the video. So first, what is Grindr? It's the most popular gay dating application in Western Hemisphere. They are doing rather well. The last quarter that they reported, quarter 3, 2023, they made $70 million in revenue. They are growing and they are big on European and US markets. I think they are a little bit smaller on the developing markets. For instance, they are banned in Turkey, right? So they are not operating on the market at all. And it's a grid-based application, so you can see people who are around you, and it's a freemium, which means that you can use it for free, but if you want the premium features that make you a little bit more efficient in meeting people, you gotta pay. And now, how it came into existence. So in 2009 in Los Angeles, there was a guy called Joel Shamkai, who I, by the way, met in a conference once. He's a really nice guy. He has a very entrepreneurial spirit. And he was kind of frustrated, or the rumor has it, that he was kind of frustrated uh, in meeting gay people, which, yes, it's pain, <laughs> I can tell you as well. And he decided to do something about it. So he invented Grindr. Initially, again, rumor has it, it was not supposed to be a dating app. He invented it just as a tool to meet our gay people. But it took off rather quickly, and the reason for that is, I mean, there were other services such as Adam to Adam or Gay Romeo, but these were predominantly web-based. And Grindr did some very clever thing. They sort of utilize the wave of spreading mobile applications trend. So they raised with the market quite, quite quickly. And around 2011-12, they got a lot of recognition, a few million users. Vanity Fair, for instance, in that period, called them the craziest gay bar in the world. They got iDating awards. Um, they got Webby awards, right? So they got a lot of recognition. And a bit later, they also started a initiative called Grindr with Equality, which has a lot to do with their mission, connecting LGBTQ individuals, and they are pushing for LGBTQ rights and also working on health, right? That's where all these features of reminding you that you are supposed to get HIV tested, for instance, are coming from. And also in 2014, they hit 5 million monthly active users, which is a lot. Like vast majority of applications never get there. So they started to attract quite a bit of attention. And remember, it's still bootstrap, right? They still didn't take any external um, capital. And by now, they are probably valued at more than million, than $100 million. And they get noticed by a gaming group from China called Kanlan. 
And after some negotiation, Kanlan purchased 61.5% of the company for $93 million. Good for Joel. Uh, who, by the way, stayed as the CEO despite uh, Kanlan owning majority of the company. And they continued to grow. Everything went well. And in 2018, Kanlan purchased the rest of the company for $152 million. So altogether, it was something about 250 for the for entire grinder. And that's when Joel stepped down, exited the company, he ceased being a CEO, and a person called Yahui Zhou became an interim CEO. Um, he was an ex-chairman of Kanlan, and he probably just oversaw the transformation into a new leadership. After a short period of time, Scott Chen, who was an ex-CTO of Grindr, became a CEO of the company. And roughly in this time, around 2018 and 19, there started to be a lot of scrutiny about data protection. So first of all, remember that Grindr has very sensitive information. <laughs> For people who are using Grindr, they know what I mean. And I don't necessarily mean your nudes. I mean, yes, they have them. <laughs> but I would hope they don't share them. But they have information about your sexual orientation. They have information about your health. When you were vaccinated against monkeypox, for instance, what's your HIV status? When were you tested last time? And a lot of sort of sensitive information about your sexual behavior. Um, and I mean, Grindr has a lot of other dating applications. We don't do it, but I mean, it's kind of usual on the market. They sell the data to third parties to introduce another revenue stream, another way how to monetize their business, right? <clears throat> and there started to be a lot of scrutiny around this. Because it's one thing to sell information that is anonymized, and it's other thing to sell information about your sexual orientation and your sexual health. That is very sort of highly protected um, data type. And I know because we did a research on that in my company recently, and you need to do crazy things, especially in European Union, in order to protect this data. You need to have explicit consent. Um, you can barely share it. Um, even in terms of storing, you need like special um, sort of security methods. So it, it's, a, it's a serious thing. It's heavily regulated. And it seems that there were certain questions about how Grindr, hand, uh, are, how Grindr is handling this data, right? And um, there was another issue, and that is that Kanlan is a Chinese company. And that even escalated the scrutiny about data because U.S. government realized that, hmm, we have this super sensitive information that in China is accessible for Chinese secret services and they can essentially survey our users because they know their location, they know a lot about their behavior. Dangerous, right? And sort of the combination of these two things created a lot of pressure of Kanlan, which led to the event in 2020 when they were forced to sell the company. They sold it for 608 million dollars i mean crime river they still made quite a handsome buck in the two years that they held grinder and they sold it to a company called vicente acquisition llc and this is no longer a chinese-owned company so united states was satisfied the scrutiny with data continued a bit but at least it wasn't accessible to um chinese government anymore and of course the ceo changed um, Jeff Bonforte became the CEO of Grindr in 2020. He used to be kind of a heavy hitter at Yahoo. So, again, experienced executive. And it continued for two years. Until in 2022, 
George Harrison became a CEO. Again, out and proud leader, ex-founder of Shift, which is this service of an online marketplace where people would trade, for instance, used cars. And the company went public, which is really interesting because as far as I know, correct me in the comment section, but as far as I know, this was the first product that exclusively served LGBTQ community that went public. It was a huge celebration, right? They even opened the um, New York Stock Exchange, like ringing the bell. And uh, now it's a publicly traded company. I actually own some of their some of their shares. And right now they are doing rather well. They are growing thirty five to forty percent um, in terms of revenue, and they are worth one point five billion dollars. So with that growth. Um, they're quite quickly going to get to 2 billion. They're doing really well. And the last thing that I know uh, is that, first of all, they had this huge scrutiny, right? Because they are, or they used to be, after COVID, quite distributed company. So there would be a lot of people that would work from abroad or remotely. And they implemented the policy to all of them, 150, 200 employees, essentially saying, yo, you have to work from the office. <laughs> if you don't work from the office, I'm sorry, but we will have to part ways. And they're parted ways with almost half of their staff. So that was kind of aggressive. And there were a few lawsuits against this because it's rather aggressive. And it was also applied to people who were work to who were hired to work remotely, which is a bit funny. And it's like kind of an old decision. And they still have some cases against them regarding the the data protection. I think they're just actually like a year and a half ago lost the case for like six to eight million dollars in Norway for the data protection. So this is still going on. This is still an issue for them. And recently they entered the market um, of web-based applications. So they released the Grindr web, which I didn't like that much, but I mean, maybe some people like to date from their MacBooks. And they announced an AI wingman, which I don't know what it's going to do. It's probably just going to send 150 hey messages <laughs> to all the people that are around. But anyways, they are betting on AI and markets like it. So if you want to like jump on the grinder train in terms of shares um, and buying a little bit of their stock, now might be a good time. At least I'm doing it. Um, not an official legal advisor, just brainstorming here. So look, that's the history of Grindr. Let me know what you think. And in the meantime, share, like, and subscribe. I really appreciate it. And see you next time.